Yeah, man. We are live. It's Thursday night reality check, and I got a special guest tonight, Pat Stedman. Pat Stedman, how you doing? I'm doing great, Tony. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, excellent, man. You know, you, you're uh, one of my favorite guests, if not my favorite guest. Uh, <laughs> we get deep, and we're going deep tonight. We are going deep tonight. It is your cheating heart. We're going to talk about cheating. We're going to talk about, I guess you would say, affairs, infidelity, I think is another good word for it. But um, the first thing I want to do in, in this, in this uh, stream tonight is I want to define cheating. Mm -hmm. I think that's a definition that we really need to kind of talk about right at the beginning. Let's define cheating in uh, Pat Stedman terms. Yeah. So everybody's got their own definition, but I think if we're being, if we're being realistic and trying to be universal here, I think it's, it's when you start to cross the barrier into kissing somebody else. That's I think official cheating territory. And of course, you know, there's a difference between a kiss and sexual contact with somebody else. But um, to me, kissing is when, okay, there's a lot of lines that you cross before you're flirting heavily. Maybe you're holding somebody's hand. Maybe you're making suggestive comments. All that stuff is very inappropriate, but I would consider kissing somebody else to be cheating. So you think that's like the, that's like the, we'll call it the barrier to entry. <laughs> yeah. I would call it barrier to entry. You know, I think it corresponds. It's pretty logical. Like it corresponds with, you know, the old school base method, right? You got the first base. Well, you kissed a girl or you made out with a girl. Maybe you can say, I mean, that's, that's first base. It would seem to indicate that that's you're on the field. <laughs> you know what I mean? At that point. Mm -hmm. Um, but obviously there's a difference based on how far you cheated. Did you cheat the first base? Did you cheat the second, third, you know, home run? Um, and that's when I think we start to get into the consequences and, and whatnot and how guys are supposed to respond to that stuff. Now, wouldn't, wouldn't, um, geez, wouldn't uh, most people say like, especially now with texting, texting or say a phone call wouldn't that kind of implicate it like that that would be cheating yeah i mean is that is that the is that the precursor to cheating or an affair or is that would some people consider that cheating some people i mean i know in in trad really trad communities i mean there's some women who consider looking at porn to be cheating mm -hmm. i mean some some people have some really stringent lines about what cheating entails and by the way i don't believe that um not that i think looking at porn is good but you know opening up a browser is a little bit less effort <laughs> than you know like going out and making a move um so people develop that term like emotional cheating i, I actually think it's valid that you know, it, it, you have feelings for somebody else or you're encouraging feelings from somebody else and you can start to say things that are, you know, really inappropriate and cross some lines and can be, I mean, they're just, they're just totally, totally wrong. But personally, I'm old school 
I don't think it's cheating until you cross a physical barrier. Okay. What about because, like, because uh, it's too no? Because let me just because it's too okay. subjective. Okay. It's too subjective. You you can somebody can say, well, you cheated on me because maybe a, maybe a girl says that to to her guy because the guy says to the other girl like you've got amazing breasts you cheated on me well he didn't touch her breasts he didn't do anything you know it's a stupid comment it was a humiliating comment but it's not cheating it's not cheating something happens when you cross a physical barrier and then i think something happens even beyond like physical barrier is cheating and then there's sexual barrier which is a whole nother magnitude and then there's full-on sex which is a whole nother magnitude and i think your forgiveness threshold varies based on those things i mean everything is context we're going to get into that i'm sure but yeah definitely definitely um of course i've got a lot of notes as usual now it's of my opinion, um, and I won't go into my opinions tonight, but that men cheat for different reasons than women cheat. Mm -hmm. So let's let's dive into that. Well, I think I, I I would agree with that. I would agree with that, but I actually am more of the perspective that everybody cheats primarily for emotional reasons. I do believe that there is a higher propensity of men to cheat just simply because of sex mm -hmm. and to have it not mean anything. Mm -hmm. I think women can do that too, but men are much more likely to do it. But I don't see that as more than maybe 20% of cheating with men. And, I, and I'll get into why that is. And actually, that even might be too high. It really depends how, where you want to draw the line. Guys really, I mean, guys obviously want sex. You know, it's a physiological, <laughs> you know, demand. Um, but sex is very wrapped up in emotion for men. It's wrapped up in emotion differently than it is for women. But men get a tremendous amount of validation from sex. So the guys who are at such maybe like a high level of not demanding validation, but they have such a super high sex drive that they're in a situation, a girl throws themselves at him or he decides he just needs to get laid. So he goes out and fucks a girl. I mean, that stuff certainly happens. And I think it happens predominantly in maybe a long distance kind of dynamic. But your average guy in that situation is going to feel compelled to cheat because that woman who's offering sex is offering him something he's not getting back at home. Mm -hmm. And so he's feeling that he's not valued Maybe he's feeling emasculated because maybe his woman, they've been together. She's turning down sex a lot. And he goes out and this, you know, attractive woman is making him feel like he's a man again. That's an emotional quality there. Now, you can say that he's starved of sex and that will amplify it for sure. 
but fundamentally there's an emotional reason for it to happen. So I think that the transactional sort of, I just need to get laid stuff is a lot smaller, a proportion than is commonly indicated. Yeah. So, so when I, when I say that women cheat for different reasons, I'm kind of under the, I will say the thought process that women cheat more to cause harm. That's kind of what I think. In other mm. words, to, to really to sh- like to show like her man, whether it be a husband or boyfriend that just to kind of prove a point. Mm-hmm. You follow me? That's very profound, Tony, actually. I, I hadn't thought of it in that way before. But you're totally right. Men cheat because they, you know, putting aside, okay, you have that subset that just do it for physical reasons, but most of them cheat because they don't feel maybe appreciated, but they don't want, how do I put it? When women, a woman might cheat because she doesn't feel appreciated, but it, her but her reasons for it are, are different like there's more of a attraction element to it and it's more a punishment on the guy like you weren't worthy mm-hmm. so i'm gonna go off and i'm gonna do this you weren't worthy that's when when most women cheat it, it very it very much is that and look a lot of guys are going to get triggered by the statement probably but women cheat very often as like a as like a cry for help you know the guy is being such a bitch but she has assuming it's not just asset related there's part of her if she really wanted out she'd just leave you know why would she stay in and cheat okay maybe a lot of her life is wrapped up in the relationship and I'm certainly not, it's, I know it's very, very common that that's the case, but a lot of times a woman cheats and either she's caught and she explains herself in a very like aloof, like, you know, well, this is, I did it because of this, right? They can be very, very callous with it. But behind that callousness is like a very logical factualness. It's really interesting to me how women are emotional creatures, but when it really comes down to it, to sex and stuff like that, they can be some of the most raw logic. Like you just weren't doing it correctly. And how often does a man say the same thing to a woman? Um, does that make sense? Does that- it does. It does. And I'm looking at the comments here. Like Alexio says, LOL, cry for help. And I, and I get, I get I get that response because um like we were talking a little backstage um I think when it when it when a guy is really into a relationship and think it's thinks it's going well and for a guy that's single you can look at it a different way I can look at it and say okay well if I was in this this deep relationship and the woman cheated on me I would just walk away but mm-hmm. that's not always the case with all guys. And that's a fact. And a lot yeah. of guys won't admit that. I know that. I know everybody wants to puff up and say, you know, if a woman cheated on me, I would just haul ass, you know, forget her. 
but that's not always the case. I mean, I know that for a fact. I've seen, I've seen, I can't tell you how many friends go through that exact scenario. Mm-hmm. You know? So, you know, what, what's your, what's your thoughts on that as far as like, you know? Well, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll tell a story real quick. I think it might tie this together. So I, I know a guy and he was married and he just wasn't very ambitious. He was drinking a lot, wasn't really ambitious. And the, and so she had an affair. She was making more money than him. She had an affair and he found out about it. And, you know, she had, and by the way, she had, she had had that affair after he had, he had passed up on a big job opportunity that would have like, and she wanted to just be like a homemaker. She wanted to leave her job. She wanted him to be making the money. Like this is not some manipulative you know, bitch kind of situation, right? She told him she's, you know, she's making more money. She says, I don't want to be working. I want to take care of the kids. I want to have more kids. I want you to make the money and you have an opportunity to do it. Will you do it? And he said, no. And he decided to take his job, which was making a fraction of her salary, continue with it and to keep drinking. And so she had an affair, but she didn't leave him immediately. And there were still within that period opportunities when that came out, there were opportunities for him change or things to change he didn't do it he didn't do it and so she eventually left him now i don't condone cheating obviously i don't mm-hmm. like it um you know you had the comment just in here about from the vital message about yeah you're not supposed to you don't you don't want to accept it but understand also what guy gets cheated on under the vast majority of circumstances, what guy gets cheated on. It's easy for a guy who either really has his shit together to say that, yeah, I'm not gonna, like, I would never stay with a woman who cheated on me. And it's easy for a guy to who doesn't even get into the arena at all to say, you know, he's not involved in that experience where him, his self is coming out to say that. It's a lot more messy in practice from mm-hmm. what I've seen. And in the cases where it occurs, the guys usually are asking for it to a certain extent. And by the way, the women are usually asking for it too when it happens to them. Everything is co-created. It may be that you were really great and maybe you only own 10% of it. Maybe you owned 80% of it. But you were part of the reason it happened. and we have to be very honest with ourselves about it. And that to me is like, you can be compassionate about something and also not tolerate it at the same time. All right. Well, let's get into this. What do you do if you're cheated on? Okay. And um, what do you do if you're the cheater? In other words, how do people handle this internally? Okay, so what do you do if you've been cheated on? So what kind of, so let's let's get some context here because I think it's very important. So how did you find out that you were cheated on? Mm-hmm. Did she tell you? Did she tell you? She said, I was out with the girls the other night. I got drunk. 
and I let myself get too close to this guy and he kissed me and I allowed it. Okay. Maybe she kissed him. Right. But she says that. Do you forgive her? Okay. What else is going on in the relationship? How is the relationship across the board? How long have you been together? What have you invested together? What was there a reason that she was being so open to the guy? Like, this is real talk here. This is real talk. Okay. A lot of guys are going to get triggered by this stuff. Is that you have a girl, you guys are great. Everything is really great. You have a pretty good relationship for the most part. Um, but maybe there's a level of intimacy you haven't breached yet. Maybe there's some things both of you have been holding back. You're a couple months in, a lot of promise. And she goes out and this happens and she tells you about it. Do you break up with her? I don't personally think you're a cuck for not breaking up with her. Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't experienced that situation, but if you if you're very quick any guy here who's like, oh, yeah, of course I break up with her. You just you're you're obviously not dealing in the real world. You're obviously not allowing yourself to get close to women. Because it gets a little bit more complicated when emotions are involved, when there's other things going on. This is what I talk about when we see these certain lines. Now. Are you with a girl? And she's pretending to be really special. And then she goes out for a weekend with the girls and she fucks another guy. And you find out about it because you find a picture of it on her phone. Totally different scenario. She didn't come clean about it. She went way further than the first example. And she's leading a second life. That's an automatic breakup. There's absolutely no way that you can stay with a girl like that. Mm -hmm. Because of the deceit. In the first example there was a poor error of judgment. A line was crossed, but was there something that could be learned from it? Was, did that happen because of something else going on that could, that could be, that there was a level of connection that wasn't there. She was honest about it with you. She didn't hide it. She took the risk on herself to tell you, knowing that she could lose you. What is that worth? And that's why, you know, that's so why those questions are context, you know? Why would she tell you? Is I mean, that's what I'm kind of seeing from this. Well, the, the reason is the reason she tell you is because she actually wants you. And so in that state, she may have felt weak and she had. And so she did it. And, and because she's a good person, she didn't want to carry that on her. And because she she respected you enough to tell you it. And believe it or not, girls will do that. They will do it especially in a situation where, you know, maybe there are other people around, you know, she has maybe the awareness that it could get back to you. So she takes the first step in doing it, but there are situations. I mean, I've, I've worked with client situations where a girl would not be with necessarily friends who would have it pass on. And maybe they don't say it immediately, but, there were some problems in the relationship. Things start to get shifted. 
and then she's she has a moment she's like i have to tell you something and then she tells them that and sometimes it's actually a little bit further sometimes it's like we did some stuff together um we start to get into much more of a gray area at that point right mm -hmm. but the point is that it's a very very different situation and for me personally and i i want to emphasize for all the people who are gonna i've never dealt with this i've never dealt with it on a personal level um where i had to make this kind of choice but in a in a theoretical sense putting myself in the situation to me, the honesty is very, very important. It's very, very important. And I told my wife from the very beginning, if you ever cheated on me, like if you ever slept with somebody else, I would break up with you. But I would want to know and I would forgive you. I totally wouldn't hold it against you if you did it. Because to me, it's like, like I understand people are human I don't obviously want to be with somebody who I couldn't trust in that capacity, but the honesty would matter a lot to me. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I could continue with them at that point, but I'd, I'd still want to know. But I, want, I wouldn't hate them. I really wouldn't hate them. That's just where I'm at. I wouldn't hate them for it. I've seen too much. <laughs> like I've just seen way too much about how people are to be... Um... I don't want to be around people who are doing that kind of stuff, but I know what kind of shit brings people to that point. And with the exception of some really damaged, like borderline girls, I understand in many relationships, why this stuff kind of happens. Like the girl's either immature, she's really messed up, but a lot of times it's just because the guy is, he's missing all the signals. It's building and building and building towards that point. So, I mean, per personally for me, like if I know, and this is, this is my, my opinion on this, if, and there's, you know, there's a, we know of, you know, a guy in the, you know, Manosphere umbrella that um, I'm not going to say his name, but his, he, he went on a podcast and said that his wife cheated on him. Now I, I'm being straight up. I, 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 I've liked the guy and, but I've never looked at him the same. Yeah. And it just, it, it just totally skewed my, I don't want to say my opinion of him, but it's like, you know, it's like sometimes you want to say, you want to say to somebody man up kind of thing. And I, I don't even like that term, but it's like, come on. No, no. I mean, it's, it's a lack of boundaries in the situation. And, you know, I'm looking at some of the guys in the chat. They don't really understand the distinction of not of being able to say, yeah, I'm not going to be with you anymore, but I'm not going to spend the next five years on red pill forums hammering out how much I hate women as a result of the situation. They can't understand the distinction between those two things. Having a boundary with a woman and okay, okay you cheat on me. We're done obviously there something happened something was going on in the relationship it's not reconcilable at this point so we're finished but especially if there's kids in the picture like can we depart on good terms 
You know, there's a level of respect in telling the other person that you did it. Even if there's an acknowledgement at the end, there's a level of respect involved with that. And I don't know, I personally would rather be respected. I'd rather that be, I mean, you're not being respected when you're cheated on, but you know what I mean? That, that at least that consolation. Um, I, I, at the same time, I do understand some people, certain relationships are, are different with that stuff. Uh, I can't relate to it personally, but, and it's very rare, but I would say, and God, this is going to get the guys in the chat so fucking pissed off, but look, I'm, I'm giving you guys, I'm giving you guys real data on real experiences. So here's an opportunity for you guys to get out of the fucking dogma for a second and pay attention to things that happen in the real world. Okay. In a lot of relationships, you have a couple, they don't talk, but they don't communicate. They don't express their feelings with each other. Okay. Maybe the guy isn't being as much of a man as he could be. He's not being maybe a total bitch, but he's not being as much of a man as he could be. The woman still has feelings for him, but maybe she's not super attracted to him. And I'm, I'm using an example on that direction, but it can actually go the other direction as well. Right. Woman doesn't take care of herself. She doesn't want to have sex. The guy goes and has an affair. In some situations, and I would say no more than 20 percent, 10 to 20 percent. That this happens, it comes out in the open. And what it does is actually. Improves the relationship. Now, it's not in the Jack Murphy way that people are talking about in the chat. <laughs> It's in the sense that it wakes everybody up to what's going on. So I gave you the example of this guy I know, and he didn't wake up from the experience. But that might have been actually a situation where he could have woken up. And if he really saw, hey, I was really being, a, you know, he was being really unattractive. And so he gets, he, he she's, she doesn't like that she does it. She apologizes. He forgives her. But, and here's another thing that's that's that people don't understand is that when she wants you to forgive her she wants she doesn't want you to leave her when she gets caught there's a frame shift that happens now again this is not how you should gain frame <laughs> in a relationship but it's a simple observation that a woman isn't happy so she makes a bad decision she goes and cheats the guy maybe has on one hand he's obviously pissed at her but on the other hand has awareness that he was part of the problem and isn't at the point of ready to leave her yet or maybe he doesn't want to leave her maybe he wants to change things but he's still pissed and so what can happen is that as a result of her cheating she loses like the moral authority of being the wounded party in the relationship and so she actually her behavior towards him changes I worked with a client before and he's, you know, he's, this was well before we worked together, but he was telling me about some of his past history and he squandered this opportunity, but that happened to him. Once she was caught, she was very, very submissive and, and, you know, did not want things to end. He had an opportunity to shift the dynamic then, and he could have permanently shifted it. And the couples that do do that, which is again, a small percentage, but you guys, should understand 
these things actually happen and stop reading theory all the time, if that's what you guys are doing, this stuff actually happens, they end up having a really good relationship because they will be able to honestly say that the relationship wouldn't have been saved unless they went through a near-death experience. And if you guys need some correlation to that, look at it from health. A lot of people won't do anything to take care of their bodies until they have a near-death experience because of their habits. And then they suddenly change their habits. And a lot of the, some of those people will complain like, well, I had this thing and now I'm, my life is over. It's like, well, no, no, you built up to that thing. You created that thing. That thing occurred. And now you're still a loser and you're going to die. Other people have that event and they say, you know what? That woke me up. And now I'm going to stop eating, you know, seed oils. I'm going to stop eating shit. I'm going to take care of my body. And they can credit that event with saving their life. Sometimes in couples, again, not fucking condoning cheating. I'm not saying this is the way it should happen. I'm just telling you guys in the real world, there's a, there's a percentage of couples that cheating becomes a vector to their own growth. What I do is mostly, sometimes I work with guys who have the situation, but mostly I work with guys to make sure they don't get into the situation where it has to go that far. Just like a fitness coach wouldn't let his patient get, you know, severe diabetes or severe heart disease before he'd have him start to work out. Yeah, this is this is triggering. I see to the chat. I get that. Um, but like you said, it's a small <laughs> it's um um it's it's a touchy subject. I mean, you know, for for me, I think um and again, I can say this, I can say this, I can say this with a lot of conviction that when, when let's say a guy's going through this, what you have to understand as another guy is that he's feeling what he's feeling right now. And there's nothing you can say how many times, and I've been through it where it's like, you just got to leave her, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the guy resists immediately. Yeah. yeah. And that's a fact. And I know everybody in the chat tell me that that hasn't happened to you. Maybe you haven't lived long enough. A lot of you guys are younger, but I know that's a fact. And I've seen it in my lifetime many times. And I think there's a process that everybody has to go through. Um, And I think if one of your friends get cheated on or something like that, we're going to go over the the woman's side too. But um, you, you have to kind of stick with him at first. You really have to do that. You just can't, you know, I, everybody wants to say, you know, just leave her, you know, pack your shit and go, or, you know, kick her out of the fucking house. But a lot of times there's more to it than that. That's, you know, and I've seen that personally, like I said. Well, well, yeah. So let me, let me take a different context here because people are getting super triggered because we're talking about one context and there's a lot of like, both parties still have strong feelings for each other and they want to work through it. And and by the way, if you haven't been in a relationship for like 20 years or whatever, you're probably not going to be going through something like that. Um, th- a lot of what happens when a guy, when you see a, a girl is bad news for a guy and you tell the guy to leave her and he doesn't do it and the girl cheats on him, that relationship is done. Mm-hmm. 
And so he he is a bitch for not leaving her, right? But as a human, you also understand that he may need more time to wake up and extract himself from that situation, right? And extract himself from the situation. It's, you know, I say what I said at the very beginning, because I'm, I'm we're, we're dealing with a lot of nuance here. I would personally not tolerate cheating in a relationship. It's It's very clear. It's been established from the very beginning of the relationship. And I've never had it happen to me and I would never go through with it. Right. But I'm just saying I have seen this stuff happen and I have seen some guys come out of it. That is not the majority. That's not the norm. Most guys, when a woman cheats on them, they need to get the fuck out of the situation because the woman is not being honest about the situation anyway. I'm describing a situation here where the woman comes clean or she's caught. She admits it all. She explains why she did it. She says she doesn't want to leave. There's this whole sort of thing. And maybe the guy really has just been a crap for years. hasn't done things. He realizes it. That's a breakthrough. That's not the norm. The norm is that the woman does that. The guy doesn't understand. And so he's either a bitch and she keeps on cheating or she leaves him. Or what happens is that she cheats on him and she could care two fucks about him. And she either keeps on doing it or then leaves for that guy or whatever. And so the guy, by staying in the relationship, is only submitting himself to further abuse. And you guys have to understand that there are different contexts you have to operate in. It's in the same way that somebody's on your property, do you shoot them? Mm-hmm. Well, what the fuck are they doing on your property? Did a 10-year-old did a kid throw his ball on the property? I mean, it's a bad example. But the point is that you always have to think in context. And you have to look at the dynamics, what exactly is going on in the situation. You can't accept bad behavior from a woman. You can't accept allowing yourself to be degraded and humiliated by a woman. The question is simply how much is actually there left in the relationship by the time she cheats, right? How much is there? How much gas is left there? A lot of guys are so completely clueless and the woman herself may even be clueless. There is 10% of the time, but it happens. It's happened. I've seen it. I've, I've seen it. I've seen these relationships. And it is pretty crazy, but nine out of 10 times, you gotta, you know, <laughs> the guy's gotta get the fuck out of there as fast as possible. It's just the way it is. Let, let, let me ask you a question now when it comes to, I'm gonna back up a little. The difference, like, let's say you catch your woman cheating on you and she, and she, and she comes clean. Okay. Well, she comes clean, right? I mean, you call well, exactly. That's not- <laughs> now, of course, she is not not all, but most of the time, it's going to be like once you're busted, it's like you know that whole you know I'm busted. Now I'll go ahead and give you my reasons why. 
Sure. You, you know what I mean? Sure. So there's, there's obviously difference between, I guess you would say is what you're trying to say is, is basically a woman telling you versus you catching her. And then she tells you that's a different, I think that's a whole different dynamic. It is a whole different dynamic. I mean, look, I, I, I can't, it's difficult for me to get into the mind of a guy who walks in on his wife with another guy and decides to stay with her. It's like difficult for me to understand that mind. Um, you know, I, <laughs> to me, the biggest thing about it is I don't want to, I want to make sure I, I, I explain this correctly. <laughs> Look at that. The chat. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I mean, that's not coming clean. It's getting exposed. It's not coming clean. I mean, I, I just look. When a woman is with another guy, when you're with her, then it's like, she's not your woman anymore. And so it's almost as if the entire relationship has to be renegotiated. If you've been somebody who's married, you have multiple kids, this happens. It's been a long time deterioration. I'm just saying that because I've seen this in real time, if the woman is really open to, she's apologetic, she, she wants to save the marriage, then the guy, if he chooses if he chooses, and that's the guy's choice to take a cost benefits analysis of what is it to leave? What does he leave? What does he have to gain? Then that guy might be able to actually create a good relationship. And maybe he goes off first and he hooks up with some girls. And maybe he evens the score and then they build from there. And that's a pretty common thing, frankly. Usually when that happens, the guy needs to go out and even the score and then they have, they can reestablish something. But again, I want to say this for like the 10th the, the time at this point, <laughs> this is, this is, and I don't want to get hung up on it, frankly, but this isn't, this isn't a really common experience. Nine out of 10 times when a woman cheats on a man, it's over. You got to understand it's over. You should have understood it was over before she cheated because it was over and you got to leave her. Okay. These are exceptions to the rule. They're not the norm. And you know, like people said in the chat, she's been exposed. She's not going to tell you most of the time. She's not going to, if she, unless she really, I mentioned the thing that she tells you because she's not going to tell you unless she really wanted to stay with you. You still have a decision to make, but she's not going to tell you if she, you know, if she, if she doesn't want to be a part of it, then she's not going to tell you that she cheated on you. She's just going to keep cheating on you or she's going to bury that event. And that's why what is worse in some ways than the physical cheating is the deception because the deception is 100% no exceptions like you're done. And I think any guy who's who's in that kind of thing should should really pay attention to that, should be aware of that. So, 
I've got it. I've got it. Like I said, I got a lot of notes here. Sometimes, and this this is going to trigger the chat for sure. Is it best not to know? That's a tough one right there, man. Like I said, I've been taking notes for like a week. Do you see what I'm saying? I think I think some guys would say I've I've had guys say that to me. I know, I, I know. I never I wish I'd never known. I would have been better off. I mean I'm not I, saying I, it's I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that no, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. The chat's gonna lose their shit. I mean, about about this stuff. It's these are just these questions. My fundamental answer is no. I mean, I, I I don't. I think if you don't know, you're not better off. Okay. It's always better off to know. It's always better off to know. I mean, I'll give an example though of of some things that some couples do with oversharing. You know, I if people are more of like an anxious attachment style. I've seen some relationships, and they will they will when they're trying to like deal with a lot of their emotional baggage so they'll start to share like well you know i talked to this person and i kissed them once this time um and you know one time i did this and one time you know they overshare stuff i i i gave this this you know video what i think the line is and i think anytime you cross the line um, honesty needs to be given. I think if you maybe did something inappropriate that you have to, and I, I don't, I don't actually know that this is a full on, um, let me put it this way. I'm open to disagreement on this one, but if, if you said something you shouldn't have said to a girl, do you have to go? And then you realize like, fuck, I shouldn't have said that. Um, that, that wasn't, that wasn't right. Do you have to go and tell your significant other? Is that better for the significant other? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know in every case it is. Here's one thing when it comes to, and I think this is the argument that you are probably considering Tony, which is like the ethics of admission mm -hmm. to certain things. And this is an argument people have made. And I think it's really interesting. I, I don't know that I personally agree with it, but that telling somebody what you did is putting a burden on them. Mm -hmm. And so you're, you're actually absolving your own conscious conscience by telling them by admitting it in that that's more selfish than if you had not told them. And I think that's like, I guess a really gray area. It's like, at what point is, is the disrespect ephemeral versus what, at what point is it like a legitimate thing? So that's like the cheating line, right? Um, Maybe you got a little too, maybe you said the wrong thing. You got a little too close to a girl. You shouldn't have done that. Do you have to go say it to your girl? Is that going to create more problems than it solves? Mm -hmm. 
So question. let's uh, let's flip the whole script yeah. from the first part. And now let's put it now, the man cheats on the woman. Mm -hmm. How does it change? How does it change? Well, like what we were talking about, just to just flip the whole script on now the man is cheating on the woman. Okay. How is, how, how should she deal with it is the question. Should a man, should a woman deal with it differently than a man does? Well, I won't, I won't say that she should deal with it differently, but she usually does deal with it differently. Yeah. Um, you know, I consider it bad across the board, which mm -hmm. is how I am. I know a lot of guys in the manosphere think it's a much lesser offense for a guy. I don't believe that on a spiritual level, but I also acknowledge on a biological level, it's, it's different. Mm -hmm. It is different on a biological level. Um, and going back to the initial point that we talked about, I do think guys are more capable of sleeping with another woman. They compartmentalize it very differently than women do. It's my perspective on it. I mean, I think some of the guys here, when they were dating multiple women, like a lot of guys could probably fairly say that they could date a bunch of different women and that they could compartmentalize levels of feelings for each of them and that they could deal with them in different ways. Right. Here is a, here is a typical manosphere. Um, that's a typical manosphere thing right there. Uncle yeah. guns is very typical. Men don't cheat. Men only fuck women betray. Um, I, I, uh, I get what you're saying. That is, that's so, that's so typical of uh, red pill philosophy. Um, yeah. Which I get it. I do. But I don't think that's a hundred percent real life. I truly don't. But well, women feel betrayed too. I mean, mm -hmm. like you could say that a lot of women who are more down in their biology might accept that, okay, well, they get you for in a certain capacity, but then you also have other women. And look, if you're, if you want to set those parameters from the very beginning, you're welcome to do that. You know, you're welcome to be honest with a woman from the very beginning that she's going to be part of the rotation and part of the harem. And that's what she can expect. And, and fair enough. Right. But women feel betrayal. I think it's different. I think the issue is that how men Okay, here's where we get into something that's that'll be interesting. Betrayal is very much a word for a man. Women are not Okay, so so loyalty, honor, honor is very much a male ethical trait. You could say chastity is a female moral trait. But honor is a male moral trait. So when we talk about betrayal, we talk about somebody who's a snake, somebody who you expected something of who didn't do it, right? 
And I think part of the problem is that a lot of guys will look at women and they will project masculine virtues onto them. And I'm not saying that women are, that that means that women are just completely amoral. They have their own sort of thing, but I don't really hear about women in betrayal. Like I, I don't really hear a woman ever use that term. It's very much a male term. I trusted you. We were in the foxhole together. You betrayed me. And in affairs of the heart, I think you have to get more granular in the sense of how the two of you, you like, you will expect a man, for instance, who you trust to hold the line, right? Under a certain situation. Whereas, and if he were to turn the other side, that would be betrayal. But a, a woman, you wouldn't expect her to do that, or you shouldn't expect her to do that. Not to say you wouldn't expect her to be loyal, but it's like a different kind of loyalty than I think. When I, and I don't want to get into the weeds with the semantics here, but when I see betrayal, it's like women. a woman betrayed me. Like, well, what kind of... It sounds like you were looking at her to act as a man when I see that. Like, women are very predictable in what they're going to respond to. And not all women are going to cheat when their hypergamy, so to speak, is violated. But they are going to experience the desire to separate themselves from you when it happens. And they might do it in a, you could say, in a moral way where they say, look, I'm not attracted to you anymore. I don't want to be in this. I could have done this. I didn't do it. But I don't know. I, I, I I'm curious. I'm curious, like in the chat, like, like, uh, and, and and I'll call out some of the chat. I have no problem with that. Some of this these, stuff is retarded, honestly. These guys, <laughs> like these, retarded people in here. These guys, a lot of these guys are my friends. But what happens is now, let's say, and I've seen this happen too, where where a guy cheats on his on his woman, okay, and of course he'll puff up and say, you know, fuck her if she finds out. It doesn't matter. But most of the time, those are the guys that are biggest suck ups to the woman when they get busted. And that's in my experience. Totally, totally. And that's a fact. Um, again, we can say what you want in the chat, but I've lived 59 years on this earth and I've seen a whole lot. And that's a fact is that when a guy gets caught cheating, he now, what he, a lot of guys will, will do anything they can to keep that woman that he cheated on. This is a, this is a great thing here, Tony, and this is a good way to move into this. So why do people cheat to begin with? Mm-hmm. The two halves of attraction are desire and comfort. Now, a lot of the game guys think it's only desire, but it's desire and comfort. They both matter. You know, there's a certain sequence you might want to lead with, right? But they both matter. And as you get into longer term relationships, a lot of the red pill guys don't understand that in... I would say, frankly, a majority of the issues where you have like dead bedroom, bad crap and relationships, it's it's not necessarily desire that's at that's it at that's at issue as much as comfort. But let me pause you here. Guns, relax, will you? 
stop being a retard. <laughs> Relax. Okay? Guns, I actually wasn't guns. I wasn't talking about you. Actually, I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> I mean, come on. If you can't handle the word retard, then you're on the wrong platform. But look, but look, you guys are in here saying pet says no. You can't just say no. You ruin your chance with the beautiful princess. No, you autist. No, I mean this is retarded. Like, sorry, Alexia, it's a retarded <laughs> statement. Like, I know you're probably just shit posting. And, you know, I, I see some funny things in here you're also saying, which is fair enough. But, like, I'm trying to 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 help you guys to be – I'm trying to help you guys to see another perspective here. I'm not telling you guys to be fucking simps. I'm not telling you – like, what have I said fundamentally here? I've said I would not accept it. I would say I don't think you should accept it. And I would say 90% of situations don't call on you to accept it. I'm giving you guys the 10% because if you don't think about the 10%, then you can really get yourself into some messy situations. And maybe I'm talking to a different, maybe I'm talking to a, a different cat boy. That's actually, he's pretty funny, actually, cat boy enthusiast. <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually. Um, I'm trying to give you guys a broader perspective on these things because the real world is messy. It's complicated. Love is complicated. Your most alpha guy, as Tony's saying, will cheat on his girl and he'll act like it's no big deal. And then he gets caught and he does not want that girl to leave him. And he's desperate for her not to leave him because guys and women, men and women, both want desire and comfort. And unfortunately, in a lot of relationships, they only get one of those two things. So and this is one of the reasons why, you know, we always hear this thing that affairs almost never become full-on relationships. So like you can be in a marriage and you have a mistress and maybe over time you start to fall more and more for your mistress. But if you marry your mistress, everything gets fucked up. So you have to ask yourself, why is that? Because actually the mistress and the wife were both giving different things. And you see this in a lot of cultures, the Madonna horror complex. Um, I'm not singling out a specific ethnic group. I'm just telling you my experience. When I was living in Morocco, a lot of the Arab guys there would talk about how, you know, Moroccan women were perfect. They were pure and Western women were total sluts. And, you know, and they would be like, literally, this is back in like the internet cafe days and they'd be fucking jerking off and they'd be talking about this stuff about like Western women. They had this idea that their local women had no sexual impulse and they were totally pure and they were just going to have children and they'd be great. And meanwhile, they could go fuck the sluts on the side. Now, a lot of guys in the manosphere actually think that that's totally okay and normal. But I'm telling you, it's not, no different than a woman who decides she wants to be with a beta bucks and fuck some bad boy retard on the side who doesn't have anything going for him who just, you know, whatever, you know, is good and bad or treats her like shit and gives her that spark. A healthy relationship has both elements. It has both elements to it. And so even this big alpha, he can talk a good game to his friends. He can go off with his sexual girl, but emotionally he's very tied to the comfort his wife gives. And so if he loses that, he loses his anchor. And then you know what happens? This is why the mistress thing doesn't work out. Is that then, if he puts any of that energy towards the mistress, she gets repelled from him. 
So he's compartmentalizing himself. He's not really alpha because in his marriage, he's acting like a different man and he's trying to compartmentalize his alphaness with this random girl because he can't bring it in his own marriage. Understand, this is the validation aspect of sex that I was talking about at the very beginning, the emotionality, the reason that guys cheat. It's emotional. Now, they love sex and they, and they want women to be very sexual with them. And part of that is sex drive, but a lot of it is the emotional validation. And that is the reason, by the way, that guys will get into relationships with women who have borderline personality disorder, because those women will hook the validation, both sexually and in other ways, and then they can pull it back. And that's how they can toy with a guy. I have never met a single man who has been with a borderline personality disorder girl who has not said it was the best sex of their life. Never met it. I mean, up there at least. And yet they would never say they wanted to repeat it because it's super compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. Alexio, yeah, Michael Foster is coming on here shortly. So just uh, you guys sit tight. And uh, yeah, so Foster is going to be coming on shortly, just just so you know. But um, yeah, so I, I had so like, so I've seen the relationships fail where um I've seen it both ways. I've seen men and women cheat on their cheat on their cheat on their husband, their wife, their boyfriend, the girlfriend, then get in a relationship with the person that they cheated on. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say nine out of ten times, even ninety nine out of a hundred, yeah, yeah. it doesn't work. It never works. I I have used like the planet analogy, and you kind of look at. I mean, it's just kind of nerdy, but you look at planets, and they have a gravitational sort of. Like they're all in this sort of gravitational alignment. You take, you might be like you and this other thing might be rotating around each other, but you take this other object, this other planet out of the picture and everything just flies apart. It never works out. Um, and that's why, you know, I don't usually work in these capacities, but when I see guys do this stuff, I'm like, take it, you know, understand what it is that you're, that you're involved in. It's the reason that, it's a historical thing for a man to have a wife and a mistress is because there is a certain, um, I would say resignation that a lot of guys have that just can't get both from a woman. And so you have to get one for the other. And so you have the situation where the Madonna, you know, the wife, well, she's like, well, you know what? I don't even care about the whore. You know, she, he wants to have a mistress. He can have a mistress, but I have the title. My children are going to inherit. I have the status and she's just some dumb slut. And the mistress says, well, I don't have any of that stuff, but he wants to spend his time with me because I know how to make him feel like a man. And that's, and and they hate each other. The Madonna and the whore hate each other. And the guy's in the middle like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, like, but I understand it's difficult, but you don't, but you can get both in a woman. But you have to deal with, when you have a woman who's more on the whore side, you have to bring out more of the Madonna. When you have a woman that's more on the Madonna side, you have to bring out the whore. Otherwise, in the same way that if you're a guy who's more 
a provider or, or more comfort, you know, you don't create as much tension versus if you're a guy who's really just, you know, self-focused all the time doing your own shit. There's a balance to this. A healthy relationship exists in the middle of these two extremes. And I would say healthy relationships exist anywhere between two to one in each direction. Some relationships are healthy two to one Madonna whore. Others are two to one whore Madonna. But when you get to the extremes, you end up saying, I can't get in this person. I need somebody else. It's just how it works. All right. I got another question for you. Let's talk about long distance, mm. long distance relationships. And um, we'll say men and women with travel jobs. In other words, a lot of traveling. <laughs> God damn it. Doesn't that increase the odds of infidelity and cheating? 80% of cheating is situation. So if you, if you mitigate the situation where someone would cheat, then you've mitigated 80% of where it will happen. So look, <laughs> human nature is human nature. Unless your relationship is really locked in. And I'll add that it might be tough if you guys are traveling all the time. You're really opening yourself up to risk. Traveling and, you know, work trips are notorious. They're just absolutely notorious for sleeping around. I don't say that to make guys paranoid. I say it to make guys aware. So if you're with a girl and she has to go on some work trips, you shouldn't be like, she fucked every guy in the company when she was on the work trip. You shouldn't think that. But you should be paying attention to what's going on in her work environment. You should be paying attention to her behavior. And um, because the risk is is higher. I mean, it, it is certainly higher. I don't like it. I don't like it as a as a relationship standard. Be, there's going to be some exceptions. There's going to be some people who understand each other, some couples that understand each other. I don't personally like it. Uh, I would not want to want to be with it. You know, a, a I don't think a work trip or two a year is a big deal, but you have some jobs where people are traveling once a month, maybe more. It doesn't guarantee anything. It doesn't mean it, but it's just, you got to watch out for that stuff. Now, long distance relationships. I've always said this about long distance relationships, long distance relationships are temporary and do not get into one unless you are prepared to end it. What I mean is find a way to end the long distance. When I hear people saying like, well, we, you know, we really like each other and, but she's going to this place for the next five years and I'm going to this place. Like, well, you're just fucking fucking idiot. You're a fucking idiot. Like, get out of the relationship. You guys are going completely different directions. What do you expect is going to happen? It's going to end. It's inevitable. It's going to end. I know of one exception, and it's and it is such an exception that I don't even consider it a data point as an exception. I I can't believe it happened. I mean, this is a a friend of mine who was with his high school girlfriend for over a decade long distance. I cannot, I do not understand how they did it. Do not understand it. 
long distance needs to have an end date, but I'm okay with long distance in, in the short term. If there's a point, if there's an end goal in mind, if you say we're going to be in the same location, we're going to do this for the long term, we're going to get married, we're going to do this for the long term, then long distance makes sense to me because, you know, that's just the, that's just part of the, that deeper commitment. But open-ended long distance is just absurdity. It's absurd, my my opinion. Yeah, I've I've told uh, actually a few people that recently, but uh, in the past year, but they pay no attention to me. <laughs> <laughs> they got to learn, you know. They got to learn the hard way. Well, that's that's what I say. So I want to welcome Michael Foster to this. Michael Foster, how are you doing? Good to have you. Good to see you. Michael. Doing well. Good to see you, Tony and Pat. Yeah. So we've been getting deep already. Um, yeah, I heard a tiny bit of it. Yeah. So, um, Tony, I'm going to go jump to the bathroom real quick and I'm, I'll grab a drip myself. And okay. All right. Return. Sounds good. So, uh, welcome Michael Foster. And, um, yeah, so we were, we were diving deep into cheating. We had a lot of pushback from the chat. I get it. Um, we do have this, oh, yeah? uh, well, we have this, we have this, um, we have this masculine bravado in the manosphere and I get that, you know, I do, I get that. We have a lot of, I call it masculine bravado. And we had talked about, well, if this happened to me, I wouldn't do that. I get that. And Pat was explaining, like, it's a very rare case to where when the woman cheats, you know, there's a, there's a reason, you know what I mean? So the way he explained it, I have to go back. I can't explain it. Good. But we did get a lot of pushback in the chat, which I like. So, <laughs> so uh, let's uh, let let's talk about. Um, I know I had talked to you about this before about cheating. Period. Um, mm -hmm. Whether it comes to, I don't know if you make a distinction as a pastor. Do you make a distinction between like married or a couple, like boyfriend and girlfriend, when it comes to cheating? Can you make a, a distinction there? <sighs> Yeah, I would. Yeah, because in marriage, you have made a vow before God. You made a covenant. You made a vow before a bunch of people. And we just don't care about vows anymore. We don't care about contracts and covenants. People don't respect them at all. And so the whole purpose of a marriage... So here's, here's something that's kind of interesting. So back in... If you do a study of how marriage ceremonies and practice develop... They're not what they are today. They, they've changed and evolved quite a bit to how we got here. But during uh, the Protestant Reformation, early Protestant Reformation, you had something that was called haystack weddings. So basically a guy would be at a bar and this guy would say to this woman, hey, uh, I want to marry you, right? You want to marry me? She said, yeah, all right, let's go see, see the deal in the barn, in the haystack. They go have sex. And so the vow and the consummation of the relationship was treated as something pretty close, pretty much marriage. Then they would go back and she's like, now we're married. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> like deny that he had had sex with this woman. And it became such an issue uh, that a lot of the pastors and magistrates in these, you know, these kind of city States, like there were Geneva, Strasbourg, whatever, uh, got really concerned about it. And then there was a lot of a bigamy going on because guys during that sort of 
1500, 1600s, there was a lot of moving around Europe just because it was an unstable time. So a guy would get married, you know, in Paris, get persecuted, flee to Geneva without the wife, marry some other woman. So he had two wives now, like, and they didn't allow for polygamy. So then what would happen is the idea of even rings, the idea of having witnesses uh, at a, a ceremony, it being officiated by a pastor and all those things that, that those sort of marriage rituals evolved in that kind of late medieval period going into the Renaissance Reformation period is where they, they come from. And the whole point of that is, uh, you know, I, I almost want to be at a wedding one time where someone, you know, this hasn't happened yet to me, but where the, the minister or I say, does anyone have any reason these two shouldn't be joined? And someone raised their hand, right? Because <laughs> the idea is your friends got your back, your community. Yeah. Um, and I think we have to move back to something that's like quasi-arranged marriage, a long-term. And, and so uh, emphasis on the quasi, uh, because it's like, it used to be that your mom and dad ran uh, interference for you. Like we, we've let Hollywood pluter mine. Oh, they don't, you know, everyone's Romeo and Juliet, but a lot of those arranged marriages led to a lot of um, happier marriages. Cause mom and dad are looking out for each other. Oh, it's just political. It's just economic. That's BS. That's not, that that's an a- aspect, but of course economy is an aspect, right? As how many problems in marriage are around finances and the inability to provide. And so mom and dad are looking out, seeing their early 20 something daughter and looking out for the 30 year old version of her, you know, looking out for the 40 year old version. That's going to want a, uh, a stable household and something that can take care of them and whatever. And so we're going to have to move back to where our community is a little more deeply involved. And, but I'd like to see someone say that in a marriage. Uh, and then I'd also like someone to hold someone to their vows and Emily and I, we hit some hard times in our marriage. There wasn't infidelity or anything, but we did remind each other when we were considering divorce that we had taken vows before God. And we really are Christians. We really have been washed by the blood. We believe in God. We all will stand before him. We'll have to answer for our every word, thought, and deed. And, and that was a motive, uh, one of the many motives in working things out. We still loved each other. We just fought like cats and dogs. We just young and stupid and working through things. So I, a guy that has made that vow to a woman or a woman that's made that vow to a guy said you and you alone, sickness and death, all that stuff. And she breaks that. That is not equal in my mind uh, to a boyfriend and girlfriend thing, which uh, as nature is um, conditional commitment, right? Not that a marriage isn't a conditional commitment. There is a condition, but the condition is you and you alone, sickness and death, you know, rich or poor, where uh, a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship is uh, the assumption in most cases is that it's temporary nowadays, right? And what we really have is kind of serial monogamy in a lot of relationships where they just hook up with one person for a time and then they hook up with another person for time and whatever. So I wouldn't want to treat that level of cheating as the same. I don't think it is. Is it a violation of trust? It is, but to, to be fair, um, did you even communicate that it's an exclusive relationship? It's funny. We're backing into marriage. <laughs> we're backing into marriage. All these guys that whine about cheating when their girlfriend cheats on them. I got to tell you, 
my compassion and mercy is kind of it's conditional too. Okay. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it's conditional. Oh, they shouldn't cheat. Like, I don't understand. Like why, why shouldn't they cheat? What's your moral grounding? What's your world re- worldview? Where do you get your morality from? Why, why do you keep talking about right and wrong? Where does right and wrong come from? Where do you, where do you even have some of this stuff? Especially these people that everything's evolution, everything's evolution. Like cheat all you want. Right. Why, why wouldn't you, if you're just a high level animal, we're just bonobos. Yeah, if you're just bonobos, you're just lions, you just got to spread your seed. And you hear that crap from some of these, you know, these Anon, (laughs) these guys on Twitter that we all know that the majority of them are just half copywriters that copy other people and (laughs) they really don't. But I I don't have as much mercy for those guys as I do for the guys that did commit to a woman and did try to be faithful because to the big myths – our men are sexual hounds that can't control themselves and and that women have no sexual desires that need to be met right those are two huge myths men need intimacy one reason a man is so offended by a woman responding to him like with starfish sex where she just lays there is it is because he feels like he's raping her yeah yeah he feels like he's violating her he feels like she doesn't want it and he wants her to want him right so it's the lack of intimacy he wants passion no doubt about it right he heats up really easy um but he wants it to be intimate and a guy that says yeah i'm committed to you and you alone and tries to keep it in that relationship i know a lot of guys that uh, avoid pornography like even if it does come into life it's um it's rare. It's not like a, a daily, weekly sort of problem, mm-hmm. even monthly. Um, and I think these guys, then this woman who they give their, you know, a woman does give her youthful beauty away and to a man and a man gives his strength and that's good. That's natural. But a woman can get pretty antsy when that beauty starts to, that starts to uh, fail. And if she starts to see some of her, uh, her uh, peers, with husbands that are higher status and, and, and kind of moving up in the world, they can do some crazy things and the church won't hear it. It's starting to slowly, but surely. Yeah. Cause it's, it's such an epidemic right now. Out of it's, necessity. Out of necessity. Yeah. And it's, they're being forced into saying, all right, this is actually a decent guy. I think this woman's crazy, but then they act like they've acted like, well, yeah, in extreme cases, they think of that woman. But now they got five of those women, <laughs> right? Like it's getting harder and harder to explain it away. And it's because of our, we live in a society that is narcissistic, sociopathic. We live in a society that has uh, no regard for tradition, no regard for, uh, for your word and the value of keeping promises. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's dishonest and deceptive by nature. So those guys have my mercy. I'll go to bat for those guys big time. And I know a lot of good Christian men. Um, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a really extreme story. I know a homeschool girl. Uh, I don't know her personally. I know who she is, um, because of a pastoral associate somewhere in the United States, uh, relayed this whole thing to me. And we talked about what was going on. Basically this girl marries this guy, nice Christian guy. Um, and I don't mean nice as a pejorative here, just like a kind, decent dude, not ugly, not fat, works his butt off, whatever. Still young. They're like both like 
20, 22, somewhere in that area. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the girl is homeschooled her entire life, church her whole life, active parents. As they investigated the parents, they could not find like any sexual abuse in her past. They couldn't, the marriage of the mom and dad seemed to be strong, right? All these things. And yet within the first three or four months of being married to this guy, she had sex with three different men and one of them, and one of them for money, right? One of them for a couple hundred bucks. And, um, and this is in the conservative of the conservative side of the church, the, the side of the church I move in. And, and so, um, and this pastor, a very good man was like, how common is this? Cause he knows that I'm plugged into it. And I said, man, it is way more common than anyone wants to admit. And she, uh, there's a lot of things going on there. She wants to feel sexy. She wants to feel powerful. She wants to have an adventure. Uh, she's been corrupted by TikTok yeah. nonsense. There's a lot of different things going on there. Not really, you know, concealed from the modern world. Like, no, you can't. You can't. That's the thing. Like, that's why Texas can't secede from the nation, right? Yeah. It, if it still has Netflix, it's still America. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. still the West. We still, yeah. like, you have to change the culture, change the media, change all that. And so, uh, but that's what we can't, this is everywhere. It is everywhere and it's not just men and um now now that makes people think what's why get married then right and 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 then you back into kind of the black pill side of things um in the MGTOW world and i and i everyone i think on this all of us here have uh a lot of compassion and understand how they get there and mm-hmm. i don't um i don't mind that a man goes his own way i don't at all just don't cry about it all the time if for the and, and let other men if they if other men decide they want to get married i mean that's the way they want to go so don't talk them down so those are just some introductory thoughts on it mm-hmm. yeah uh pat just so you know i i the first question i asked michael was i don't know if you heard it while you're away mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. was is there a difference between cheating when you're married versus boyfriend girlfriend type relationship i don't know if you want to I heard the tail end of what Michael said with that. It's a really, it's actually one of those things that I've changed my position on in the last year and a half, probably. You know, what is this? What is actually being a boyfriend and girlfriend at the end of the day? Mm -hmm. Um, What, what level? I think that there's been this, sort of weird middle ground where people weren't getting married, but then they were trying to enforce the same level of commitment on being boyfriend, girlfriend. And I'll tell you one of the catalyst moments for me to really think about this was a client who met this girl and they had a really strong connection, but she was in a relationship and they, you know, and, and and we were cautious not to like violate to you know anything too much here because you can kind of spoil what you might get at the end of the day. But it was very apparent that the guy she was with was not moving things forward in any meaningful way. He had all sorts of, I mean, from what I understand, he was like you know addicted to porn, video game, you know, a lot of common stuff and. uh really just wasn't showing up and my client was and 
So then you have this situation, this moral code. Well, can he make a move? Is he allowed to make a move? Is it dishonorable for him to make a move? And I had to be challenged with my normal conventional thought, which was that, you know, you shouldn't get involved with a woman who has in a relationship. But then I was thinking about, it, I'm like, well, they're not married. And where is this going? And why shouldn't he make his move? I mean, it's kind of like saying, you know, you're buying a house and you say that, well, I talked to the realtor. Well, you didn't buy the fucking house. So your engagements may be under contract, <laughs> you know, but, you know, it's still not sold. And fast forward, what happened? She dumped her boyfriend. They're married. They have a son today. So was that wrong? Was it wrong for that to occur? I got a lot of flack when I justified it, when I said it was correct for him to proceed because he had stronger intentions for her and her own happiness than the guy she was with. I think, of course, you could try to extend that logic into a marriage, but as Michael said, there's different contractual obligations that are involved with things. It's not to say that it's completely immutable, but I'll, I'll be personal here. You know, because Michael was was being really honest about stuff that he was going through at, at a certain point in his marriage. And, and by the way, if you haven't been married, then don't don't comment on it because you're so exposed to yourself through a marriage that it's very alchemical. You're going to change quite a bit in the course of it. And you're going to go through periods where you're going to go like this because you're burning through a lot of your, you know, your B.S., I'm not sure that if I hadn't been married to my wife, because we got married very fast, I'm not sure if we hadn't done that, if we would have made it through that. And thank fucking God we were married, because if we hadn't done that, we would have missed out on where we're at right now, which is really beautiful and such a deeper layer of connection than before. So, Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I was married. I had the probably the easiest divorce and whatever you want to call it of anybody. We just uh, sat down one night and then uh, said it ain't working out and basically get out of my house in two weeks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it was actually pretty, pretty painless, pretty simple. And I'll say that um, definitely toward the end, I was only married for a couple of years I, I wasn't faithful at all and in any way, shape or form. I mean, I just wasn't. Yeah. I just, I knew it was over mm -hmm. or it was before we said it was over. Yeah. 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 You know? So I wasn't, I definitely wasn't faithful. We'll say uh, the last quarter. <laughs> um, and you know, that's, 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 a, that's a fact, but I knew it was done. And so did she. So I don't think it was any, it didn't affect, it didn't affect the final score. Let's just say the whole game. Sure. So, sure. You know, so, but uh, painless, um, no big deal. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, it's almost so painless. I feel like I was never married. If that makes any sense. Like mm -hmm. it, it's a How long were you married for? Like two years. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and then it was just, uh, it just went downhill after that. <laughs> and it's and, and the funny part was is that 
the the sex part never left. Sure, sure. That never left. But it was just the connection that was not there. It was gone. It was over. Mm -hmm. um, but just totally painless. Um, didn't cost me a lot of money. Uh, got to keep my house that I paid for. And, um, you know, it's, it's been good. <laughs> have you I read have, uh i don't have one of those horrible divorce stories i just don't <laughs> I, don't, I don't have one so. have you I read have, esther perel um pat she's the argentinian woman uh she's like belgian i think but she sounds Argentina. oh no yeah yeah she's actually in my notes that was one of my uh She's a, I think, a psychotherapist. If I'm correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a sex therapist and family therapist. And she, mm -hmm. she, uh, she has a really, the, I think, the number one TED talk on. She wrote a book called "Mating in Captivity." A great yeah. title, by the way. And then the state of affairs, and she looks at why people cheat, and it's mm -hmm. not like actually people in happy marriages will cheat, and not fully understand why they did it initially mm -hmm. because of some mm -hmm. subconscious reasons and that that would based on the counseling i've done that would uh play out in several ones i can think of but i've been i've been working through her stuff lately kind of thinking through this because i'm prepping for a book on marriage i'm glad you mentioned that because one of my notes is from one of her things that i watched this week <laughs> and it's about how how um how when somebody cheats on you, they, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think how she put this, um, re, reduce the other person. Okay. Does that make sense? That's kind of what she said. Um, let me see if I have it right here. Yeah. She reduces the other person. Um, even after all the good things that happen. In other words, I don't know if I've liked her explanation on this the way she put it, it kind of made me feel a little uncomfortable. I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. You know, I, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still not quite there where I think it's the same if a woman cheats versus a man cheating. I'm just, I just don't think it's the same at all. Well, my, my, my perspective on it is that on a spiritual level, it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. But on a biological level, it's different. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And... I guess that's the best way that I could put it too. I think, I think that as people, like you said, a spiritual level, um, it, it could be for the same reasons, but biologically it, it feels, it feels worse if a woman is to cheat on a guy than a, than a guy to cheat on the woman. It just does. And that maybe that's the male perspective, but I think that's maybe the perspective of even if you even if you were talking to an honest woman, I I would say that the chances of a marriage or a relationship staying together if the guy cheated is greater than the relationship staying together if the woman cheated. I would bet I would bet that's not true statistically. Mm -hmm. I, I here's like I well, first off your logic. I understand the boat where both mm -hmm. y'all coming from, and there is, I think, um, the height of male sexual sin seems to be personified in unnatural acts. 
mm-hmm. in scripture, like bestiality or homosexuality, mm-hmm. um, where with women, it, it kind of reached its height in, in whoredom, right? Multiple partners, Betty Martin, in particular, um, when she is a married woman in particular, that's like, uh, and so I think there's some obvious reasons you can think there why, why, like con- why it's consequence or con- so consequential, but I have seen men willing to stay with the woman that's cheated on them. I would say most Christian men I've run into have been willing to do that. So I think there's two levels there. There's a sort of effemacy, right? That like, that's been beat into him that anytime a woman does something wrong, it's his fault. So I I make a distinction between responsibility and fault. I say a man's responsible for everything that happens at his house. Hmm. Right. So if your wife cheats on you, you're responsible for it. But what I mean by that, you're responsible to deal with it. You got (laughs) to decide, right. You got to decide like, um, if you're going to stay divorced or not, how are you going to react to it? That doesn't mean you're the fault. You didn't cause it. So that's, think of like a cat. That, that's basically what Pat was saying at the beginning. I mean, that's really yeah. what you were yeah, saying. But, 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 my, but Michael put it better. That's a better, that's like a, that's a good verbal distinction between the two terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a captain of a ship. If someone underneath his command acts the fool, it's his, it's his responsibility to deal with it. It could be his fault. Maybe he's been overlooking things. Maybe he cho- chose the wrong sailor, right? But it also might just be that that person of their own agency acted the fool, and it's yeah. his responsibility. And so, um, so a lot of times when we say, uh, "I say a man's responsible for it," they think I'm saying it's their fault. I don't. I don't think that's the case. Not always. I think it could be though. I think um, if you uh, if you're not engaging a woman's what this is kind of what Esther Perel seems to be saying. I'm pretty, I'm digging in deep and have a lot to stew on it, but you know, there's, there's things that make arousal and sexual tension in a marriage work and things that don't. And if you don't give that to a man, he'll be tempted to stray. Eventually you don't give it that to a woman. She'll be tempted to uh, mm-hmm. stray eventually. Um, or more likely they'll be vulnerable. You know, I do, I do go out of town. I travel a lot, um, but I always travel with a guy and I work, I seriously, when I travel, I work probably like 16 hours a day, right? I work like a ton of hours and I do go to the trade show parties that I'm at, but I don't ever go to the after party, never mm-hmm. go to the after party. Scandalous things go down. Crazy people at trade shows. I always talk about there's certain, I see the way certain people dress at trade shows, like stay away from that person. Um, because I want to stay married. I want to stay happily married, mm-hmm. but I do think, um, so I, Getting back, I do think Christian guys have been taught that everything that happens in their home is their fault. It's not. It's their responsibility. So they they kind of blame themselves for that woman. And, and perhaps they were looking at pornography and they already have a guilty conscience and they feel like they – that this is like almost uh, – well, Make the distinction between responsibility and fault. Let's let's go back to that. What's Sure. Make the – you know, what's the difference between responsibility? How, how is responsibility and fall? How, how are those different? Sure. Um, so I believe the man is the head of the home. And for everything that happens in the home, it's your responsibility to deal with those things and respond to it and react to it. It doesn't mean like, let's say my son goes out and does something um, like he steals a car, right? It's my responsibility to deal with all the things around there. 
And it may be that I failed in my discipline of my son. Uh, it also may be that he came under the influence of some friends he had that I didn't know and wanting to have a good time. It'd be wild or whatever. He got involved and did something. And it really isn't a major reflection on my parenting. I didn't know that he had these friends that somehow escaped me. That could happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, with a guy, if a, if a, if a woman cheats, it's his responsibility to decide how he's going to deal with the relationship now. And respond to it. And he needs to ask if he played any role in it. Uh, to me, it's 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 kind of a joke in the manosphere how guys wouldn't even consider that they were part of it. That they could be part of the reason she cheated on them. That their lack of masculinity, their lack of leadership, their lack of sexual prowess could potentially be it. I think they should at least be willing to consider it. What I don't want is it to be assumed that they're the cause of it. Yeah. But, you know, and, and that's what I want to protect against. Uh, But I do, I do kind of get sick of masculine, these guys that act like women where they're not responsible for any of their actions. They, they rail how uh, we, you know, there's a guy in this chat here, some, some dummy that can't understand words and context saying that I'm excusing women and, and that I, that I think everything that they do is, just because of a bad man or whatever. I don't know. I never said that. I don't know where you got that from. I think women have as much agency as men do. I think we're different. We have different motivations and wiring and all that stuff. But, um, but I do think responsibility and fault is something we have to hang on to. I'm not androgynous. I don't believe in egalitarianism. You know, I think patriarchy is built into the cosmos. I think it's inevitable. I don't think there's any way around it. Um, that's where I differ with guys like Rolo that have created the, you know, um, the feminine imperative, which is the manosphere version of the patriarchy, like look in the smash, everybody. Well, yeah, I mean, Rolo believes that women, I mean, if you get down into the psychology of it, there's a belief that women are superior to men. It's a victim complex. So, I mean, you know, he's just, he's just one step away from, you know, the, the bonobo world (laughs) where maybe mommy will give it to me instead of being so mean. Um, pretty sick when you get down into it michael i do have a question for you sure this is just because you are the most brilliant and and nuanced pastor on this and i I think a lot of guys here who you know you you kind of address you know obliquely but just to be really nail in the head when if you're a christian guy where does forgiveness come into play with infidelity so God hates divorce, but he allows it. And so there's two conditions in scripture for divorce. One is pornea is the word. So people make it adultery. It's actually a little weaker than that. It doesn't require strict adultery. And even yeah. what is adultery is hard to say, like yeah. holding hands, oral sex, or some sort of manual stimulation that's not oral. So there's no actual penetration. Is it uh, actually, does it require actual penetration? And so what, what pornea is in scripture is this, this kind of broader category. Uh, and so you don't want to get it to the point where it's like holding hands is pornea. And are we going to say that pornography, a guy looking at pornography is pornea? Jesus says spiritually, it's a form of adultery. But he also says hating your brother is a form of murder. So we don't kill people for hating a brother. And I think it would be a mistake to make every form of lust 
truly equal to physical adultery. I don't think that's the the, the the point Jesus is making, that they're the same family of sin and one leads to it when it's fully grown, is I think what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so pornea would be the grounds for divorce. And uh, it's not required that a man divorces his wife uh, or a wife divorces her husband if they commit pornea. Uh, but it, it's there. It's there because sometimes... Sometimes even if you you have to be willing to forgive repentant people, forgiveness doesn't mean that the covenant isn't broken and you have to stay in it. In other words, it may be like, I can't do this. Like you violated my trust. You slept with my best friend or you slept with this other dude that is this big fat slob. I don't even get it. I don't understand. Or you did all these terrible things. And, you know, um, and I, I can't resolve this. I can forgive you. And I want, I don't want you to be destroyed. Like I don't want you to hell or whatever, but um, I don't want to stay married to. And, and that's a, that's one of the grounds. And I think, so even forgiveness, like, let's say, let's say you see these Christians forgive someone that murdered a family member. Um, Well, that's, that's a different thing. That's forgiving them. Doesn't mean that that absolves them of the crime. Right. It says, I forgive you that you did it. I'm glad that you repent. Now, now you have to go face God. This is how things work. Right. Yeah. You have to get to go pay the time. You're going to go to, you're going to go face God. I hope you, yeah, I hope you have his forgiveness. <laughs> right. So then yeah. the other, the other condition would be uh, abandonment. And that comes in scripture. If a unbelieving spouse won't stay in the relationship or they functionally abandon you. So let's just say you marry a woman and she runs off. You don't even know if she is having pornea or not, but she's ran off. And she's not there anymore. The problem is in Christian marriages now, they try to turn abandonment. So you have women saying, a guy looked at porn, therefore I can divorce him. He cheated on me. You see a lot of that now. And then you have a lot of women that will say, this guy is not emotionally available to me. And he doesn't hear me out. He's abandoned me relationally. (laughs) (laughs) But so this is like, this becomes a little complicated. Like what, what is actual abandonment? So I'd say abandonment is any sustained period of not fulfilling the most basic parts of a covenant. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so I would say if a woman refuses to have sex with her husband for extended period of time, she has abandoned him in a very, significant way and he yeah. actually has vice versa with the guy too like they he actually has a cause for divorce right part of the benefits of marriage is 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 the sexual relationship and if she won't do that she has abandoned that i'd say it's funny you go back to like uh the reformation and there's elders like commanding uh, there's this one favorite i actually this is how nerdy i get on this stuff i actually have records i have the records that they took from elders meetings in Calvin's Geneva. It's called a consistory. So it's like written in cursive and I have to look really hard to read it. Um, and it's their, it's their records of what they told people. And one of them was, they're telling this guy, look, your wife's saying you guys won't have sex. You have to have sex with her. If you don't do it, you know, she, she could divorce you or we could put you under church discipline. <laughs> like, oh, this is fascinating to read this, you know? Um, but uh, so what I would say is like, uh, as Christians, I'm called to forgive people. I mean, at the heart of religion is Jesus forgiving a bunch of sinners, right? Um, he came to die for us while we're still ungodly, while we're his enemies. But forgiveness doesn't mean that 
that takes away the responsibility of a violation of any sort of covenant and mm. you're, and you're free to leave it. And I think um, there are times as a pastor where you do recommend a man or a woman divorce another one. There are times people get mad, but it's not, it's something that I try not to do. I try to lay out as many options and thoughts and considerations and walk them through it. Um, and it depends on whether or not have kids, right? There's a lot of things that play into all this stuff. It's a, it's a mess right now. It's, it, yeah, it's context. It's context. And all these but things. do you yeah. think, do you think that like, um, and I, I'm going to use the context too of, of a woman cheating on a, on a, on a, on her husband. Do you think the guy can say, we're going to stay together for the children? I think that's lame. Well, what I would say is what I tell them as a past. So uh, you, you see certain kind of thresholds where divorces happen. So you're really common, Tony, like uh, between year one and three is one threshold. Then there seems to be another threshold right about year eight to 10. And then the next major threshold is after the kids start to leave high school or the last one does. And the reason for that last one is really easy to understand is that the kids basically became the focal point of the marriage and not the relationship. And so now that the kids are moving out, the marriage has no purpose anymore. It falls apart. Mm-hmm. And that's why you have to keep a, uh, a friendship and a sexual relationship with your wife. You have to have a greater mission than your children. So no, I would not think that would be the only reason to stay together. I think that can be a component in it, but that's the only reason that's, that's good. That's just delaying the inevitable, right? It's going to lead and it's not, it's going to be good for the kids either, but I do think, the growing up in broken homes is part of what's gotten us into the messes that we're in. This is where effeminate men and brash women come from. Boys and girls need a mom and dad, right? Now you can go through the remarriage process and, and they have a mom and dad that way where it's in a stable home, but that is also uh, tricky too. And our problem is there's a lot of problems here, but no fault divorces integrated workplace where women really don't need men financially. That's a, that's really changed things. Um, so what we're, we're, we're in the, the rubble of the West trying to rebuild something. And that makes, that's why conversations like the ones we're having now are so important. Um, I'm trying to think of the, the, I wanted to bounce off what you just said. Damn it. I just went blank cause I was concentrating on what you said, but, um, let me look at my notes here. I've got a ton of stuff. Oh, of course, I've got uh, hypergamy is on here. And we know Pat is the world's um, foremost authority on hypergamy. How how does hypergamy actually play into, into cheating? And I'll go to Pat on this one. Well, what I've said about this is that the misconception that I think a lot of the red pill has. Okay, so hypergamy is a natural female instinct. And it's actually a, a really good question is why is it villainized? Is it actually bad? Is it actually bad that women want men who have higher levels of fitness and success? Is you know, if you're a biological determinalist, if you're a materialist, like a lot of these guys are. Well, what in what sense would this be bad for the species that women would be selective, that they would only pick the best men? Okay, this is a biological mechanism, though, that all women have. 
men have their own of preferring women who are young and fertile. And I'm sorry if the red pill has ignored the slew of stories of women who got older and their man cheated on them with the secretary or the younger, you know, the younger girl they met. That's pretty brutal for the woman. And, you know, I'm not (laughs) just understand that ruthlessness has no gender, that it can be pretty brutal on both sides. Okay. But the fundamental point here, hypergamy, all women have it. Every woman has it. Not every woman exercises it the same way. So there are some women, and if they've suffered, let's say, a certain amount of trauma, attachment issues, sometimes you can't even predict it on those basis. You know, the story that Michael mentioned earlier comes to mind. They may simply decide that they will go for a different guy. And it's not always necessarily because the guy's higher status if they're just looking for sex. But to simplify things, there is a, you know, a lot of women, if they're in a relationship and they are engaged with a guy who's of a higher tier and they have an opportunity to do it, they might, they might actually do it. They might actually go for that guy. Women will usually try to see how secure that potential jump is, which is why we have the term brand swinging, right? Um, but not all women are going to cheat with that. Some women will cheat off the bat. Some women will feel it out. Other women will resist it, but then project frustration into their relationship or their marriage where they get pissed off that their man isn't competing with it. And they're not going to cheat or they won't cheat at least immediately. And a lot of these women, if, if it gets frustrating enough, they'll leave. So what people have to understand is hypergamy is a biological instinct, which is not necessarily bad, but is not always exercise in the same way based on the woman. And so it really comes down to morality based on a woman's going to respond because we are not simply animals. Really? We aren't simply animals. Some people are much closer to animals than others, but we, we do have this spiritual transcendent quality in the more that that's tapped into, you have to calibrate that based on actual behavior because otherwise as a man if you saw an attractive woman and she gave you some eye contact would you go and sleep with her right then if you wouldn't go and sleep with her right then if you were in a serious relationship or you were married then you have to consider the same impulse in your woman would she you know let's not be just dogmatic here is the point i'm trying to make Michael Foster, any thoughts on hypergamy? I mean, it's undeniable. The problem is with the manosphere is that they turn it into the ordering principle of all things, right? That's their problem is. And, and it's like when a guy, when a guy gets a new hammer, everything's a nail, right? And so everything's hypergamy. And this is, and you hear guy, and you see this in the red pill guys. It's kind of annoying because you always have kind of like the freshman class coming in. And they took their first course on hypergamy and 
you, and you get them like ragging on you on, on Twitter or sending you messages, lecturing you on how you're part of the feminine imperative. And yeah, you just let them kind of, you know, some of them will sort through it. Some of them won't. But, uh, but I think hypergamy is part of God's design. And, uh, and here's how I would explain it. So in scripture, God makes man and woman. He makes the man first and he puts them. He makes the man to uh, cultivate and keep the garden. People think that garden is like, uh, you know, corn and crops and stuff. It was actually a temple garden. So when you think of ancient temples, they have like these beautiful gardens, whatever. So in the, it's Levitical language. So he was like he was keeping like this massive temple that was on this mountain, Ezekiel calls uh, Eden the mountain of God. And another reason you know that is that's where the, the rivers start and they pour down the mountain. So, so it's this mountain, Adam's stuck into it. He puts in it, God plants this garden. It's like this kind of temple-like thing. And then God says to rule and reign, expand over the earth, right? So he's going to take the, the garden that God planted, this temple, and expand God's kingdom over the whole earth. That's Adam's deal. And then he's told to be fruitful and multiply, but he's not asexual, right? He can't just break off his finger and it turn into another person. And so he needs someone to help him. So a woman is made from Adam and brought to Adam. So Adam is made from the dirt, put in the garden to work the dirt. Eve is made from the man, brought to the man to help the man. So a woman's desire is to help a man. Women, it's, it's really fascinating that uh, when you study male, uh, male atheists, this is a good book, The Psychology of Atheism by Paul Vitz. Uh, male atheists sort of personify uh, their weak father relationship and rejection of God, mm-hmm. and and in but in a in a sort of father like ideal. The the female atheists, the well known ones like Simone Bouvier or something like that, they uh, tend to connect themselves to a man. So she was one of uh, John uh, John uh, Sartre's lovers. Sartre? How do you say his name? S A R T. Yeah. Uh, um, one of his lovers. And she was very faithful to him. It was like kind of crazy. And it's, so women have this tendency to want to connect themselves to a man and experience greatness through the man. Why is this throughout? And so, and so people say, here's like someone did it. Someone told me about this artist. Well, this woman, she was married to this poor artist. Didn't matter didn't matter that he's poor. She saw that his art was great. He was great. He was a master. He was doing these things. She understood he was going to be great before anyone else did. But she saw his drive, his creation, his masculine ability. She was attracted to it because it's not just pure dollar signs. It's a, it's, so Adam was given this mission. Eve was brought to help him. It makes sense if that's the prototypical male and female that a woman is looking for someone that has a mission bigger than herself. Women don't want to be the mission, but they want a guy that has a mission that's worthy of their love, right? That's worthy of their devotion. And so hypergamy to me is a representation of that, is a representation of, a, of looking for a high sta- status, a status man, a man that's getting things done. And, you know, status is contextual. It could be the quarterback in high school. It could be the professor in college, whatever. And that's why there's a contextual element to a arousal with women that isn't as present with men where it, it's, it's more with fertility cues, pretty simple stuff. Um, but so I think hypergamy is, is an expression of that that can be corrupted into um, 
monkey branching. It can be corrupted into uh, infidelity. But just like the same thing with a man, uh, men should have lots and lots and lots of sex, lots of sex, and produce lots of children just with one woman is what I would say. And so I would say the man's uh, desire to be uh, have lots of sex is a, is a gift from God as well, but it needs to be channeled into the marriage relationship or it spins out into chaos. You know, and so I look at I look at our natural desires and I read them through the lens of God's creation and how sin might twist something. And so I think hypergamy is is undeniable uh, for anyone that has eyes to see. Um, but with with guys like I'm sick of saying his name with nihilistic dudes um, <laughs> with nihilistic guys, though, uh, hypergamy is heartbreaking to them because they hate it. They don't want it to be true. And they, they obsess over it because they hate it so much. They really do. Well, well, Michael, I mean, just kind of jumping off that, if you have no purpose to your life, then you end up fixating as a man, you end up fixating on, on material things. You end up resenting other people who maybe have this uh, extra women or this extra, you know, financial assets or whatever. It really does come down to that, that most guys today. And I, and I think, and I'm, I'm curious maybe what you think about this on your sense. I can tell you that it seems to me, of course, we've always had infidelity. We've always had it. We always will have it. It'll always happen. But it seems today it's much more common, even if we're not talking about the super strict versions, the soft versions of it. Uh, you know, a story like you mentioned that happened in, um, you know, that, that other church with that, with that girl. It's a very common story today. Back then, back, you know, 500 years ago, it would be a rare enough circumstance that they might have burned the girl alive. You know what I mean? One of those things. Like, I'm not saying to justify that, by the way. I'm just observing that that was probably, it was a rarity. It was a rarity. Now, you could say on one hand, was it a rarity because of the heavy-handed force, because of that threat behind it? And I'm sure that was part of it. Absolutely but, part of it. Absolutely part of it. But I also believe that a major thing, and maybe if we don't go back 500 years, if we just go back 100, 200, there's a lack of meaning in existence today. What the fuck are most of these guys living for? I mean, seriously, I'm not saying that they sh that they shouldn't live for anything, but when I see a lot of the stuff in the manosphere, this grasping, what you understand that there's nothing that we're not being offered anything. But what are you offering in turn? Mm -hmm. These guys don't have anything to live for. And what makes them think if they have nothing to live for that a woman, you know, they're a good little, little servant to the system. Do they actually think a woman is going to really respect them and actually think that they're serving their true purpose? I can tell you, I have not seen women cheat on men who are serving their purpose. Haven't seen it happen. It's not common. I, I mean, there's probably been a, an, an example of it, but I can't recall one offhand. That's how rare and uncommon it is. It's always the guy who's asleep doing what he was supposed to do. 
I think, so I think the reality of it is no one's happy, right? Men are killing themselves, record numbers, right? That men are uh, killing themselves lots of ways, right? Like seeing there's guys with, um, I saw this guy, uh, someone posted this. It was like a TikTok or something that went viral on Twitter. I thought today he's like in his mid twenties and he's sitting in front of a, a computer all day long, listening to classical music and playing railroad tycoon. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so, and then, you know, obviously the guy probably has tons of talent, right? Uh, there's like something there that's being wasted. I wouldn't be surprised. I bet, you know, I mean, he might be an idiot, but also there's a lot of guys out there that are, are dying other ways. Like they're just, they're like never doing, they're not, accomplishing anything you're not building anything it's going to be a very empty life um and so you see these suicide rates but with women women's uh the number of them that are abusing prescription drugs and are alcoholics right now like the drunkenness rate with women is not at parity with men Mm -hmm. um this the way we have set things up is failing for everybody and these women also that sleep around like there's no way around it if you bit like guys so we i would a woman cheating and a guy cheating fornication all this morally equal sins against god the the way it plays out relationally and how it affects them psycho- psychologically is very different you can see mm-hmm. it you can see in like it it dis, it does something very destructive to the women at a quicker rate it yeah. takes a man a little longer to get there i think yeah. um i don't think that's actually the case in really um in a lot of homosexual situations, it does uh, damage a man's psyche pretty rapidly. Um, but with a woman, it's it, there's something not there. There's a stare, right? You see it. You learn to like we stay away. Thousand cock stare, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they, we don't call that in the church, but that's yeah. There's uh, there's 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 eyes, but um, I uh, I am pretty good at spotting spotting it as a pastor those that have been sexually abused or those that have been sexually promiscuous because there's tells there's like really mm-hmm. obvious tells and so this idea that women are just loving it just having a great time you know and these guys resent them man it, it sucks for everybody on yeah, whole yeah. on whole right now this the the world that we've built is broken and the the problem like as I, so I, my book's doing really well. It's been a bestseller. It's crazy. It's been a bestseller. It's now an like, incredible book. It's an incredible you. book. I've been meaning to shout it. I mean, I, I have like a, like the last third of it. So I haven't gotcha. shouted it out publicly yet, but it's, it's amazing. It's good to be a man. It's an amazing book, Michael. Well, praise God. So it's been out. It's been a bestseller for 12 weeks, getting all sorts <laughs> of stuff, but it's opened me. Uh, I, I, a lot of these guys are calling me and these pastors, there's pastors are like, what do we do? Like, it's a real problem. How do we help these men? How do I, how do I get my wife's passion back? You know, like it's waking these guys up and uh, people are starting to see like fixing this, the thing that we're trying to fix right now. This is, this is why I think MGTOWs fails. Hear me out on this one uh, real quick. Um, (laughs) Hear me out. This problem cannot be fixed in one generation. It is impossible. It is too big. And the question is, who will keep fighting the battle after us? Yeah. Well, it's my sons. If I if I raise them right, if I build a community, if we do it like by God's mercy, my boys and my girls will will pick this up. And we have to build communities. Like, how else are we going to? You can't. The, the the legal change that needs to happen 
you know, it's this idea that all society will fall and then we'll rebuild. And that's just such a common uh, cop out sort of passive thing. And I just, I would, I, I'm not here to shame the MGTOW guys. You got to make your decisions. You got to deal with all that stuff. But I'm just telling you that things are so bad that this is going to take, you know, we didn't get here overnight. Right. This like the way this goes back at least 150, 170 years where we're at, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. I got a um, I got a uh, a question for we'll start with Pat on this one um, to the chat. I have a special guest that's going to come in. Um, looks Maximus. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, uh, but uh I've uh, been listening to a little bit of his stuff at work and I have to make sure my customer isn't around, but um, <laughs> okay. it's, it's quite a take on, on life. Um, there's definitely some satire there, but uh, it's, it's quite, uh, it's quite funny. And I, I don't, I don't even know what to think, but I would love if he's watching by any chance, I would love to have him on this channel one night. I think it would just be a riot. So. Pat, check out Looks Maximus on YouTube. Michael Foster. It's a good name. It's a good don't name. Don't check out Looks Max. Don't, Foster, don't check out Looks Maximus. All right. All right. <laughs> Duly noted. Anyways, uh, yeah, it's uh, Alexio. That's funny because I I was uh, I was listening to one and I saw he answered um, one of your questions in his symposium. So, uh, but anyways, uh, my question to you guys, I'll start with Pat is is do you think cheating and fidelity affairs because of social media, um, Instagram, all these dating apps, do you think it's more prevalent now or has it just come out of the closet, say, versus 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 well, years ago? Absolutely. I mean, okay. look, everybody is programmed and – you know, it takes the the rare individual to break out of the the matrix, so to speak. But we're being totally blunt here. Women are far less likely to do it than men. Men are designed to be able to be oppositional to control structures because, and I'm speaking spirit simply on the biological level. I actually happen to agree with the stuff that Michael would probably believe on this, but simply speaking, biologically, you know, and there's a great book that talks about that. Um, Roy Baumeister, is there anything good about men? Men are nature's experiments. So we are the gambles in, in the early, there are, there are actually, we say that, that's a 50-50 chance of a boy or a girl. It's technically not right. It's more like 51-49 because it's assumed by nature that there's gonna that those boys are gonna die by the time they get to adolescence because they have genetic issues. Boys are much more likely to have genetic issues and problems, and they just die off, right? And we look at hypergamy, right? Hypergamy is a reflection of this. And everyone says, looks and observes that the people in the highest positions of power um, in any field, in any field are men. And look, to, to maybe appease some of the feminists who might happen to stumble across this, it's not because men are better on average, but it's because men are better. There are better men in aggregate. 
there are the the men who exist on the top end of the spectrum in IQ and in every single structure. There are also those same men on the lowest end. We don't think about them, though, because they're in prison. They're on the street. We ignore them. Society forgets about them. They're on the bottom end of the bell curve. And so it's easy to focus on the successful ones and say that things are unfair. Okay. So um, tap me back in, Tony, with the, with the primary question, because I got with too much. Social media, like, social media, like. Yeah. yeah. So women have always cared more than men about what the rest of society is doing. You always will have in a structure the small amount of men who will who will disagree with the structure for whatever reason. We can be outcast, but and so at first they might start out, they got maybe no women with them. They're this tiny group. Most of the women are with the structure. You see this going on right now, today. Perfect example of it. You have all of these women who support what's going on in the broader structure, but gradually they're peeling off. And I can tell you it's been a very rapid peel off in the last two years. And you can frankly observe it. If you've been in the manosphere for five years, how many more women are there right this year than there were five years ago? I mean, we're like there were almost no women five years ago. And every year it doubles. Every single year the number doubles because women are looking to see what is popular, what is supposed to happen. So social media... Prior, you'd have these little communities and you would have less to compare yourself to. And so it was much easier for women wouldn't necessarily get fall into fantasy about certain stuff. But when you take into consideration all the aggregate trauma that we're experiencing as a society, and then you have women who can observe other women who are presenting almost invariably fantasized versions, sanitized versions of their lives, then they can start to believe, well, that's what every other woman has, should have. I'm not part of that. And and they don't take responsibility for it themselves because they're not just simply designed to do it. They're just unhappy. They're unhappy. And so because they're unhappy, they're more inclined to cheat to find some outlet to be happy, some guy who can sell them the fantasy. There's um, I haven't watched this, but I was hearing about this the other day about uh, a documentary about this guy on Tinder who would pretend to be a super rich, rich guy. And he was catfishing women. Actually, it was like a Ponzi scheme. He's pretending to be this multimillionaire. He had certain pictures and whatnot. And he was getting women to give him all this money to kind of continue the whole thing. Anyway, the, the, the point is just simply that it was plain to their, their vanity. And in the old days, how many different guys would step into the village? What kind of pool did you have to compare yourself to the, the strat, you know, the stratification of society it's, it's changed now on social media. If you have a woman who is not grounded and she has a big social media account, she's going to inevitably fall, like, you know, fall prey to that inclination to show off her body and try to get attention and to then expect certain, think of herself on a different level. That's not realistic. Yeah. Isn't it like social media with guys though, too? I mean, think about it. Isn't it kind of the same? It is similar. 
it is similar. I mean, it's affecting everybody. Like mm-hmm. none of this stuff is, oh, it only affects women. It doesn't affect men. But because women are objects of desire mm-hmm. and they're, they're, they want to be desired. Social media sites like Instagram are uniquely hijacking to them because it can give them an impression that because they're being observed in this passive way, that they're on a different level than they were before, it begins to create some sort of unrealistic ex, you know, expectations. Now, I am somebody who believes in the transcendent ability of people. And I do believe that women can and do get past this stuff, usually are more immune to it. Some are more dis, you know, disinterested in it to begin with because they understand it. And I do believe that there are, are, as men are waking up to the con, I do believe that women are too. I see it happen all the time. And I want this community. If I could say one thing about the manosphere, I wanted to say the manosphere because the fact of the matter is men are the ones who introduced the problems and, you know, observed it, started to address it. And I don't want to see this situation, which is why I've very recently had a couple of spats with, you know, e-girls who will go out there and will start to spout out bullshit to get attention and sort of redirect this. I think I'm happy to have some female allies in the situation, but fundamentally this is about men being men, not looking to women to tell men what they want to hear. Right. There's a big conservative cope thing. You get a blonde bimbo who says, I like guns. And then like the guys are like, yeah, we love it. You know, we love this. She's, I want her, you know, it's pathetic shit. This is a male problem. Okay. It's a problem for men to solve. But at the end of the day, this is something that we're going to tackle together because it's a problem that we face together. It's not this situation where it's just like women are totally fucked and only men have a potential for redemption. Women have a potential for redemption too. There are a lot of women who genuinely did dumb shit when they were younger who are coming out. I don't trust the ones online necessarily who are out there trying to spout their opinions because they're out there trying to get attention. But I'm making a point that you are going to see more and more women start to flip away from their old lifestyle. And part of that will be because all the attractive, confident men are in our corner. Part of that will be that because the women are going to follow those men. But at the same time, they're also coming to the realization themselves, were they happy doing what they were doing? And the fact is they weren't. They weren't. And you can even talk to women who are totally in the matrix today, and you can ask them if they really enjoy what they're doing, if they actually find it liberating. And they don't find it liberating. They're, they're jaded. They're just trying to pass the time. And as far as a lot of them are concerned, if we're all going down the ship, why can't I just fuck somebody? Why do, what am I trying to hold out even for? That's actually the kind of conversations. If you talk to women that are going on right now. 
Michael Foster. If you watch Facebook Reels, TikTok, or Instagram Stories, you know that what that <clears throat> the language that. So anytime I go on these, I'm waiting for a comp- compilation of people figuring out that I'm on this show. Kind of don't want them to, <laughs> but uh, because you know the whole tactic these days is guilt by association. So, um, but uh, <clears throat> anyway, I, I did this meme actually that I knew. I know Doug Wilson. Doug Wilson knew Christopher Hitchens. Christopher Hitchens knew uh, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton knew George W. Bush. George W. Bush knew George W. or knew George Senior. He was CIA. CIA was connected Osama bin Laden. Foster's connection to Taliban confirmed. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like that sort of stuff. But uh, the thing is, what Pat's saying here, and even the strong language, is the language these women are using. This is how they're talking on these reels, on these TikToks. They're normalizing. It's like to see all women become hussies is it's, it's something else. Um, and it's like, so I don't mind my wife talking to me sexually. I quite like it. Um, but to see even the way that these kind of family centered TikToks, Facebook reel things where the, the husband and wife are kind of putting their, their intimate sexual details front and center. It's very, it's, it's, uh, immodest and weird. And every, and the way that these women all sexualize themselves it's something else, man. And they do it for attention, no doubt about it. And so, yeah, social media is changing a lot. Like it, it changes the way that men think it, it, it always blows my mind how guys trust an influencer's depiction of themselves. It's wild. Even people that like me will sometimes think I'm way more awesome than I actually am. Like I hate to let you down, buddy, but no, <laughs> like you know that's not the truth. I don't, I don't have all that stuff figured out, and no, but it, you do see these guys that couldn't ever imagine the status in these guys' marriage, or the state of their health, or the state of their finances, or their actual living conditions, or who they actually are outside of their little titty, tiny um, video area or whatever. Um, they could never imagine. They couldn't conceive it because they just—it's they are strangely naive, and they—and what's crazy is that when you think that this is a real man, and if you found out how much it was fake, maybe you wouldn't feel like a failure. Maybe you would know actually you're not that much different from some of these guys. And um, now some of these guys, we you know you and I both know some guys that are pretty incredible men and in what they've accomplished. There are some real real um, disciplined folks out there, but for every real discipline, disciplined guy, you know, guy that's got it together and he does present himself, you know, I, 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 I've been pleasured. One of my great pleasures was finding out that Elliot Hulse was for real, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, cause he, he seems like he might not be just mm-hmm. because he's that big personality. But then you meet Elliot, you're like, dude, he loves his wife. He's very considerate. He, when, when he's with you, he gives you his entire uh, um, attention. He doesn't showboat. He doesn't need to be the center of attention. And you're like, this guy is pretty quality, you know? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been to his house, you know, at a party. And Elliot was everything that 
he portrays himself as. Yeah, he, he's a quality was, guy. He's yeah, an honest, he, authentic man. He is who absolutely. he is, right? So there are guys like that out there, but it is mind-blowing to me how these men think these guys who claim to be awesome and all this stuff are actually like that. And and I think it holds them back because they feel like, oh, I could never measure up to it. Well, buddy, they can't measure up to it either. It's a big show. So that, there's that. Another thing that stands out to me is porn has changed the way guys talk about and think about women. Now, guys, there's always been some guys that had a, a ranking system for women. But usually it's been like, she's hot, she's not hot, she's all right. Right. But but there's a sort of fetishizing of every aspect of of women now. Oh, I'm into redheads. I'm into this. I have this list and that this thing, whatever. I think that is probably because of the ubiquity of porn and your ability to choose different types of things. Right. Like um, and so I think even these guys, by being online, they think this is the type of woman that they want to get. They have this very developed idea of what a 10 is and what they would want. And then they have this very developed idea of what it means to be this alpha guy. And they could never be that guy because they see this guy pretending to be this guy and they actually believe it's real. And so the, what a woman that would make them happy, they can't get. And the man they want to be, they can't be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And the truth is a woman that you would rank as a five right now. In your porn-filled, retarded brain, right, <laughs> would actually be a lovely wife, and you guys, and you would be attracted to her in some cases, but you're screwed up. You're screwed up because you watched all this stuff, and you think this is what people look like all the time and how people act, and it's a movie, right? It's It's got lighting. It's planned in a lot of cases. Some of it's, like, really highly financed, and these guys aren't real. So social media the life mediated through a screen is a problem we have to figure out. The internet is making this happen. The internet's not all bad. I'm not trying to overreact, but we have to admit that there is a corruption of male and female thinking on a uh, incredible level right now. And in the manosphere has got to start, it's got to, it's got to become real world. Um, we got to get with guys and start, you know, help. I, I wish more people would come to 21 actually, um, because, you know, like people are like, how can you hang out with all those pickup artists? And I was thinking like, I was sitting at the bar with a couple that was celebrating their 51st anniversary. Like you have no idea what happens at this convention. And then you get to see the people. And uh, watching some of the speakers at this last year's uh, convention squirm <laughs> was so <laughs> funny to me. I thought it was hilarious. They're like, I don't know what to do with these people. You know, um, it, they would just, they would, they're like, okay, he's not what he pretends to be. And like, oh, he is, that guy's legit. I should trust that guy more. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that would be really helpful for some of these people just to see the real thing. So this is the dilemma we're in social media, uh, internet, all this stuff is, is part of a, a battle that we have to fight right now. Yeah. I went on a rant. There we go. Pat's back. No, I like it. I like it. I like it. All right. All right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the topic was cheating and we're going to wrap it up because I got to go to work early tomorrow, but. Um, hey, can we bring Alexio on? I want to talk to this guy. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, well, I, I saw the comments about a five. I mean, I'll, I'll make a statement about like women. Um, I think one of the things the manosphere does is, is, is it, and we'll say more toward the red pill. It pushes you into, I think something that you, that is not reachable for a lot of guys. And I think that's the, that's one of the manosphere falls is that, um, again, I don't care who dates who I don't care what your woman looks like. I really don't care if you like her, that's fine. But I think the manosphere puts more judgment on what people think of you with the woman of your choice versus you just being with the woman of your choice. Well, well, well yeah, I mean, you know, I, 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 I agree a hundred percent with what Michael's saying. I, I think that the number five triggers a lot of guys. So <laughs> that's more that's let's be fair you, like that's more of your guys seven, world more than me you might have yeah. felt differently about it you know it's the the reality is that looks are a threshold issue and one of the things that i've observed in my practice quite commonly is that a lot of guys who don't make really any action on women um and they have a real antipathy towards a lot of women but then they'll have a real obsession is that they will say that they can only have this girl who's at this sort of nine ten level, and yeah, and very often it's not very natural the appearance of it. They have a fantasy of it, and so they latch onto that, and then they block out any girl that doesn't meet the fantasy. And then if they do happen to meet a girl who might go onto it, then they hook onto it, and then they they collapse. The reality is that looks are the primary thing. The primary, the first thing that a guy is going to be interested in in a woman, and I consider it a threshold issue, and they have to cross that threshold. And once that threshold <laughs> hits, then everything else starts to matter. And you know, if if she looks better than what she does right then, you know, you can say you're running up the score. But you have to hit that point, and you know, you could use a different number if you want to. But Michael's point is is the same. I mean, if you're in a, if you're in a real relationship with someone, your girl's going to look different sometimes in the morning, you know, she has a baby. She's going to look different some days. Like it'd be fucking real. You're going to look different some days too. It's just the way it is. It's the way it is. It would, the, the manosphere is not going to really do anything at the end of the day, unless the people in it decide to deal with reality. And unfortunately, a lot of the stuff has come out of seeing the reality of the fact that we've been sold an illusion, this stuff that women are perfect angels. You get these perfect princess girls. They can't do anything wrong. It's bullshit. Women are, are a lot of women are feral today, straight up. And there's no accountability for it. And there's, there's no accountability because there's, because the men aren't doing anything about it. The men don't, the men don't call it out. Men are too afraid to call it out. But we also have to then, once we get, we can't stay in that point of just simply complaining. We have to move from, yeah, this stuff is, this is BS. And here's what we're building. Here's what we're creating on it. Here's how we're going to be leading. And if we don't do that, then, then this community is controlled opposition. You know, I, I think a lot of those really hardcore red pill people are controlled opposition mm-hmm. because like it. yeah, I mean, honestly, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Why haven't any of them ever got banned? You know, you have people like Anthony, they get demonetized. 
Um, you know, I'm on a follower lock. A lot of us have had some really serious crap. We constantly get hit down. We're preaching, you know, actually healthy relationships. These guys preach anti-woman stuff all day long. You never see a single thing happen to them. So, I think they think keep guys passive. That pacified. Hey, let me yeah, just say this yeah, to all of you. I don't know what a five is. I have no clue what a five is in a girl. I wouldn't even know to begin with. That's not my world. I uh, <laughs> I got married when I was young. I've been with my wife. I know she. I uh, she. I find her quite attractive. And I know she has no weight issues compared to some people's wives. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so, like, I said five. She had kids, too. So. She, yeah. And I said five because I thought, what's down the middle? Right? I thought, what's average? I don't know how it works out. Uh, but, you know, if everyone's above, if everyone's marrying above average people, right? If everyone's above average, then that's the new average, right? And that's a, that's a superior bias, right? So it's, it's a sort of a cognitive uh, mistake. So just, so whatever, uh, get, get your six or seven, whatever, but do something instead <laughs> of like, like get a, like build a life, uh, together. Here's the most dangerous thing in the world. Um, the biggest danger to a tyranny is men with something to lose men, men with, uh, women and children. Um, and I, I wrote a book. I started a church that has 200 people. I, I fly around. I, I've, I've built a career. I did it because I, I have children and I'm invested in this world. And people can tell me, oh, no, I'll do more. And I'll say, all right, well, that's cool. We'll do more. Like, I'm happy to be wrong on this. But I think men are like trucks. The more weight you put on them, the straighter they drive. And um, and I wish I wish more people would find the woman they'd be happy with. I'm just saying stop living in fantasy land. You know, like translate it to in a real world and you slap whatever number on it that lets you sleep at night, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that a lot. I think I think guys do like that's why I started this conversation or this this little end conversation was that it's not it's not realistic. It's not. I think it's holding a lot of guys back from building, creating a relationship. If that's what you want, there's a lot of guys that don't want that. And hey. I respect that, you know. I've always thought that, you know, MGTOW is a great place to visit, but you don't want to live there. I think it's I think it can be a healthy thing for a guy to go his own way. But I think as, you know, as a as a guy gets older, um I think it'd be a positive thing if you build, if you build a relationship and build a family. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And again, the guys who don't want to do it, hey, that's your choice, you know, that's your choice. Yes. Can I just make a real a real comment to what David David Little saying here in the chat? I just don't understand how women get these amazing passes for cheating and men lose things. It's weird to me. This is the this is the material structure issues with the system. I don't want to belabor it too much, but I just want to say it's not fair. It's not right, and it's not what any of anybody on this panel is is justifying. I mean, in a healthy society, there's women, women would be severely rebuked for what they were doing and they would not be rewarded by the system for what's going on. It doesn't mean that as men, you know, we are, how do I put this? You still want to have the awareness and everything, right? It doesn't mean that you hide away from the world because of the possibility of this stuff, because the system isn't fair, but 
I want to acknowledge that it isn't fair. Like I don't, I don't want anybody to think it's not fair. It's not. No, fair. it's it's terrible. The system is designed to control men, and they do it by breaking down the family. You know, like you know, it's funny is that before the Civil Rights um, Act and before welfare, the uh, the black family it was largely intact in America and very strong. Mm-hmm. And it was only after that that it broke down. And there's a good book by Charles Murray, Coming Undone. I think it's what it is. It's been a while since I read it. But it was talking about how white America was also basically falling to the same thing right now. And uh, why they get away with it is because men have been demonized and they want to keep men knocked down and they want to keep them weak. And they want to keep uh, atomized men, individual men with few assets are really easy to control the easier to control at least to to isolate and i think that's what our government's trying to do is isolate men and and take away resources from them um and control them and so i think it's a it's an act of tyranny by a nanny state is mm-hmm. what what's going on there there's no logic behind it other than true misandry so why do they hate men you got to ask that question i think it's because they pose a threat to a, yeah. t- a tyrannical government that's why 100 mm-hmm. 100% well, guys, it's been an awesome stream. I hope Pat and Michael, you'll stay on backstage for a couple minutes, but sure. we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I do appreciate everybody in the chat. There's some people I maybe I don't remember. Anger Voodoo, good to see you. Self made, of course, good to see you, brother. Hold the truth, David Little, Caduceus. Caduceus is the vital message, just so you guys know. Um, Ojit, good to see you. Um, Tuesday, good to see you. A lot of people. A lot of people here. appreciate all your comments. Hey, you guys know on this channel, we can disagree, and that's cool. But you know what we can't do? We can't agree to disagree. That's That just doesn't happen here. Disagreeing is fine. Agree to disagree. That doesn't work. So, but I want to I wanna thank Pat Stedman for coming on tonight, giving us some great insight on, you know, on cheating, on infidelity, on affairs. Um, love having you on, Pat. Um, how can everybody find you? First of all, you find me on Twitter at Pat underscore Stedman and uh, YouTube channel. Just put in the YouTube bar, Pat Stedman. Yeah, to, you'll get my channel. I just want to say I, I know a lot of you guys from prior shows on on you know on on Tony's when I've been on here. I've been on here probably like at least five times, six times at this point. You know, hold the truth hostage, David Little, Uncle Guns. I I appreciate you guys. You know, and I appreciate the the open forum and i also appreciate the banter it's funny i've, I've been looking at some of these things in the chat they are really hilarious at times it is good stuff yeah it's it's funny look um we're all on the same page at the end of the day mm-hmm. we're all on the same side we're all fighting the same the same fight here so i appreciate all of you absolutely and michael foster how can everybody find you uh, i'm on twitter twitter this is foster um is my handle instagram uh, we made people. I am. I'm on We Made People. That's the new book I'm working on. Uh, a podcast and a new book called We Made People, um, with my wife. Um, and just it's uh, the struggles of a first generation patriarch. What is it? You know, I'm from a broken family. My grandfather was uh, um, a, a kind of a kind of a cult leader. <laughs> to be honest, uh, I never really knew him, but I, I've got his his evil book. But um, so I'm writing a book of what it's like to come from nothing and try to restart and. Um, to encourage other people that are in the same, same dilemma, you know? Um, 
So that's uh, what that Instagram's about. Uh, you could also get my book at Amazon. That'd be cool. The feminists are starting to find out about it. And mm-hmm. so I'm starting to get those, those one-star reviews where they didn't read it. One yeah. actually had made a fake page and said it was me like um, the first book's called It's Good to Be a Man. And it's because awesome on the sixth book. Awesome book. Thank you so much. Um, so anyway, uh, I, it's an encouraging book and uh, and it tries to I, I hope when men leave, they leave feeling more encouraged. So, yeah, you can find me there. And uh, just double down. I, I love the chat stuff. I hope you all go home to your wives or girlfriends who aren't fives. I know they're not. <laughs> they're they're 9.5. That's the only five, right? So and, uh, again, a big announcement for people that weren't here in the beginning, but it, I'm going to say here in mid to late February, we will have Stefan Molyneux live. So get ready for that one. It's going to be a really good one. Um, and I do want the uh, chat and I will probably open up the panel that night. And so you can, uh, I want to chat with Stefan and, um, and we'll have a good time because I'm looking forward to that. He did, uh, you know, he did commit to it here about a month ago. So I'm going to get back with him. So hopefully here in the next, uh, we'll say two to three weeks, Stefan Molyneux will be on reality check. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a bomb. So, uh, yeah. So, and also again, Pat Stedman, thank you for hanging out with us tonight. Appreciate you more than, you know, Michael Foster, always a pleasure, you know, just fantastic insight on, on family. Just, just uh, great stuff. I appreciate everybody. And I will probably do Saturday night. I didn't do last Saturday night, but we're going to rock it out with that. Uh, peace. Thank you everybody for coming on and uh, we'll see you on uh, reality check. Or on, I'm sorry. Get it off your chest Saturday night. Cheers. is your ally. You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. I didn't see the light until I was already a man. By then it was nothing to me but blinding.